Hey guys, stick around for a great show with Jessica Carroll. We're going to discuss digital technology and how it ties into customer success and how it ties into client engagement. Stick around. everybody, Jeff Mason and Jessica Carroll here from JCX Strategies as our guest today. We're so excited to have you. Uh, Jessica, why don't you uh, say hello to everybody and just tell us a little bit about you. Oh, thanks, Jeff. I'm pretty excited to have this conversation with you today. Yeah, so I, um, you know, I spent my career, uh, most of my career as an IT practitioner. I was an IT exec running technology forever. Um, I always say I kind of grew up in the data center and then went from there. Um, and, uh, you know, after... 27 years of that, um, actually flipped my career a little bit and started to do customer success. I uh, had some opportunities there to actually run a program from scratch and um, really loved being in that kind of customer facing um, position, uh, you know, at that sure. point. And so my, my focus in general is all around the customer. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit today, yep. um, but I think, you know, that kind of gives you an idea of yeah. sort of where where my perspective sits. What awesome. what are we doing to make the customer successful? Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. And and folks, we're really excited. Simple Biz Three Sixty Podcast. We're going to be on YouTube and twenty eight listening channels. And and uh, Jessica, you were introduced to me by a gentleman I hold uh, you know in high regard, uh, Rick Diana. And um, Rick uh, suggested that we get together, and we both have a common passion for the customer and for that you know for making sure that the energy is flowing properly to that customer experience and satisfaction. So we're going to have some fun today, uh, you know, bantering back and forth and talking about that and learning about uh, you and JCX for sure. So we're, we're uh, really pumped up about that. So you're coming from, I believe, uh, the, the Bedminster area of New Jersey, if I'm not mistaken, right? So in, in New Jersey, a little west of there, um, somehow I ended up in the country. I'm a city girl in the country. All right. All right. Well, I'm from Berkeley Heights, New Jersey, so I'm not too far from you over there. I was uh, grew up kind of right near Bell Labs over there, Murray <laughs> Hill. So, yeah, so yeah. we're uh, I'm excited to be, uh, you know, we're taping from St. Louis, but we're connecting with Jessica from from uh, Jersey. So, yeah, we'd love you to just, you know, tell us a little bit. Of, where'd you grow up? What was the, What was the family makeup when you gr grew up? Yeah, you know, I uh, I grew up in Summit, New Jersey, so right next door to to you, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Um, and it was a wonderful environment. I had amazing parents. I call them salt of the earth. They were just good, honest people, hardworking people. Um, and I had, you know, just a great experience. Summit's a wonderful town. Lots of opportunities there, and um, being so close to the city, I think that's where I got my love for kind of the the vibe of all of that. So it was it was a great environment um, to kind of get started in life. Yeah, awesome. How many uh, brothers and sisters? And I, I had a, an older brother. Unfortunately, he passed. But um, oh, I'm sorry. He that's okay. It's been a little bit. So um, he he was old enough that um, I was irritating to him and his friends in high school. So, um, you know, we had a little bit of fun with that. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, well thank you. Yeah. So Summit. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, you know, I lived on the train tracks, the Erie Lackawanna tracks there. So I would go to Murray Hill, get on the train, go down to Summit. I'd go to McGelligan's. I knew I knew Mr. McGelligan and and the family there. And, so, you know, we talked about the uh, the uh, record store in town there you yes. used to go to. So so, yeah, so some it's a big uh, and for those who never been out there from from my high school on a clear, sunny day in Berkeley Heights, New Jersey, you could see the New York skyline in the background, you know, 20 some odd miles away. So, yeah, really cool. So that's kind of where uh, Jessica hails from right there. So let's talk about high school a little bit. I mean, what you know, uh, you know, where did you when you were in that zone of, of life, where did you see yourself, uh, you know, in, in business in the business world or did you see yourself there? Absolutely. So it's funny because I knew from a very young age, I wanted to be in corporate America. I mean, I'll tell you this story. I was, oh gosh, I must've been six or seven, very young. My family traveled um, a lot. We did a lot of camping. We had a pop-up camper and I went all over, all over the country. 
And I remember um, one afternoon we were in a campground and I, you know, set up my, my, the camper as my office and I was running the office, of course. Right. So I had, you know, pretend people coming to, to me to, you know, for business purposes. And I had, you know, in my mind, I had notes and papers and pens and I was just doing the whole, um, you know, I'm in charge kind of thing. So um, I would say, I I think there was never any doubt that that's where I was going to go. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. So you said now, did this when you went home did you did you set up did you play office at home and stuff too as a, as a young girl or yeah, i think i was always bossing everyone around uh, the, the neighborhood kids they they had to come and do what i said so I, you know well that's so terrible oh, but no, that's, it's true that's too funny well that's great well, i appreciate you you know being so transparent about that and that's fun to, to listen to you know my girl i had two girls and you know we'd often you know, I was always the customer in the restaurant. I mean, I, I would get served 17 meals on a Saturday, you know, and it was crazy. But uh, but it was fun. I was a hair. Then in the pool, I'd go in the pool and they'd be the hairstylist. And, you know, I'd get my hair cut and washed, you know, 25 times, which, you know, I'd get a sore scalp because they dig the, you know. But it, but it was just fun watching young minds look with aspiration towards what they want. So very cool story. Um, so where did you go to college, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I went to Syracuse University, um, and I am an orange person through and through. Um, you know, my husband went there as well. That's where we met, oh, and wow. one of my sons actually went there. Um, and so we we like to say our blood is orange, and wow. uh, very very attached to the the alumni community. Oh well, that is terrific. Yeah, great place yeah. to go to school. I mean, great great school, and you know, mm-hmm. so powerful in sports. Uh, you know, back in the uh, you know in their heyday, they were just you know all, and basketball still are very very uh, prominent. Yeah, but, I don't uh, know about football as yeah. much, but uh, yeah. <laughs> basketball. I mean, football, they pumped out some great running backs there for many, many years. And uh, Paul Warfield as well. So not Paul Warfield, but it was, uh, yeah, Leroy Kelly. Gosh, you go down the line. uh, Jim Brown. I mean, you name it. Yeah, So awesome. So um, when you're in college, you know, we know what your kind of mindset, maybe high school, you saw yourself as a career woman in college. Did it change? Did it shift? Did it did you modify it at all or did you see yourself? It, it really didn't. I mean, I'm I'm uh, an extremely goal-oriented person. So once I had it in my mind, this is what I was going to do, there was pretty much nothing that was going to stop me from doing that. Ironically, I went to college for with an, as an English major. You would think I would have gone for business, um, but English and communications, um, that sort of ties into things uh, along the way. So we'll chat about that, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, you know, one, one of the things that really kind of helped shape me during that time period is when I wasn't at school, I was working and I worked um, in offices as an admin assistant. And I got an opportunity to really understand and learn what business life is really all about. And it was at a time where computers were just kind of coming onto the scene. And it was terrible because I just dated myself. That's so embarrassing. Um, But it really, um, I think that more than the college sort of it, it just reinforced that this is, this yeah. is the path for me. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. so, so you go into the business world, you get involved in a business world, you're in the, in, you know, your first 10 years, if you look at that chunk of time, you know, what was your zone, if you will, what was your, what were you niching yourself out to be the best at in that first 10 years? Yeah, you know, I, you, you come out of college with an English degree and everyone tells you, you, you know, you're never going to get work. Um, and I can tell you that's that's not true at all. Um, I actually landed in, t- in technology at that time. Um, and I was amazed that I had this opportunity to come into an organization and help people understand how to use technology. Because at the time, the you know, it was fairly new to have you know, computers in your office right. is, is fairly new. And um, for, for the in, the staff that were, you know, where I worked, they, they were uncomfortable and didn't understand why they had to do it or how they could make this good for them. They saw it as something that was, you know, um, an impediment rather than something that was a benefit. And I, I really just latched onto that because I knew how wonderful and amazing this was going to be and how game changing it was going to be for the, for the business world. So, um, having an opportunity to really focus on the customer, if you will, and help them see and, and um, kind of find ways to um, use this new thing that they didn't want yeah. um, it, to their benefit was just, it just set me up. And, and I, feel that's been sort of my underlying foundational um, 
philosophy yeah. from from the very beginning. How can I make how can I focus on the customer and help them get where they need to go? Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Yes, yeah, so I I do remember because I I grew up in that phase, you know, that transition phase, and uh-huh. you know, I do remember there being a lot of um, you know really apprehension towards you know, accepting it. I remember when we first got our, you know, we, we as a company, we trialed laptops in 1995. So, you know, three people got laptops and for a year they dealt with them. And, you know, meanwhile, the rest of us are still dealing with fax machines and, you know, having to fax Word documents and we're working on 286 computers, believe it or not, even then, you know, we really, maybe 386, but yeah. And I, so I know what you mean. My dad was an IT director um, back from 1965. He was in the steel industry. And I remember going to work with him going into the computer rooms with the IBM punch cards mm-hmm. and you know that the power of that room that was 55 degrees and humongous with cards flying all over the place you know it was a two was a 286 computer I mean it wasn't it wasn't that large in terms of you know RAM and 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 certainly speed was you know uh, not even there but um, but I remember him even then saying you know this is the way to go this is the way of the future we've got to embrace it and so yeah I remember that apprehension. So for you to embrace it and say, hey, I want to champion mm-hmm. being a, you know, uh, transition specialist, if you will. Yeah, so great, great. So your second 10 years in yeah. business, I mean, how did that first 10 years shape what you did the next 10 years in business? Yeah, those first 10 years were important because, um, number one, it taught me I needed to listen. I have to say, you know, remember I'm I'm bossy, right? So uh, we had from a very young age. So I had to really learn a lesson, and I think um, I had to, you know, get a little humbled along the way. I think that was a really healthy experience to to understand that um, not everyone thinks exactly the same way you do. So you really need to understand what that other person is thinking and and what their perspective is. So there was a lot of that. And then I would say, um, I'll just poke fun at myself. I learned what not to do as a leader, right? I mean, I think through that, um, I, I, you know, really had some good moments, but also learned, you know, leading people is a really special, you know, gift to have and make, you know, you need to make sure that you're doing it in the right way. So it's valuable to the people that are working for you and with you. So it was it was a lot of a lot of that. How can I be a better leader, and how can I really be a better partner by listening? Yeah. So, so in your in your opinion, is there a definitive difference between hearing and listening? Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I think you know you really got to immerse in the person that you're speaking with. You really got to yeah. appreciate that person that is sitting across from you, and just put away your own thoughts about it for a moment. And just focus on what they're telling you and what they're feeling, what they're thinking and all of that. So, um, you know, it was it was a good lesson to learn. Yeah. And I think I think you're going to agree with me on this, that 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 um, that ability to really understand um, the person by listening carefully, that then becomes a very important part of making the customer experience better in the end run, because that if you're not able to do that or you're not willing to do that or you're not patient enough to do that you know you're never going to really truly understand uh being your guest being your customer you know and i think that's essential so uh, and and we'll we'll certainly get there um so if you were you know if you had to to kind of describe or put a marquee on the second 10 years of your career mm-hmm. what would that zone what would that marquee read in that second 10 years yeah, it was it was um, the ability to tie back to business value. So, you know, it, there was there was a transition in my mind, you know, in that time period where you know this wasn't just about putting technology out on you know people's desks. This was about solving a business problem. Yeah, and and we really need to make sure we understand what that business problem is, and and kind of um, make our messaging, communications, our training, our uh, you know our thought process, our reporting, all of that has to tie back to the business value because otherwise it's just, you know, fun, cool toys, but you know, that's not the point. So that whole time period was very much about looking at um, being in business in a very different way than I had thought about it in the first 10 years. Yeah. And interesting. And I, and I like what you said a few moments ago as well, that, you know um, I think, I think we, as coaches, when you look at coaching and athletics, so much of the success of coaches are, um, breaking down film, looking at what was done wrong, 
<clears throat> because mm-hmm. if you can isolate what was done wrong, then you can project what needs to be done right. And I have found in my career, I don't know about you, but I've found that there is a, an abstinence towards wanting to sometimes admit, be humble enough to admit you're making mistakes as a company, and certainly there's not a, a really great appetite for looking at what you're doing wrong, examining what you're doing wrong, asking for the feedback from the field. What are we doing wrong that we need to correct? I think there's more of a, a pride level there that exists that, that companies just aren't willing to do that. And I think there's so many opportunities missed for correction, for improvement by not looking at what. You know, I'm not, I've heard people say, you know, you're negative because you're always looking for what's wrong. No, how do you, how do you coach right if you don't know how to coach against wrong? I agree. I think, I think it's imperative to consider the failures along the way and be comfortable that, okay, this happened. So now what are we going to do? And how are we going to make sure that doesn't happen again? I mean, it's, it's basic stuff, but I think I think today more so than back in the you know earlier days for, for in my career, it's I think there's a little more um, appetite to talk about you know let's look at what was a miss here. Yeah. Certainly at that time it was more I, I think people were just afraid they didn't want to get in trouble they didn't want uh, to get yelled at they didn't want um, any negativity to happen or any fallout of any kind right I think and I and I I think that's a mistake because. Um, as you so you know, put put so well there, ultimately the goal is let's deliver the best whatever it is we're talking yeah. about, best service, best product, you know, yeah, yeah, what whatever it is that, that you're putting out yeah. there, and if that's our goal, we shouldn't we shouldn't run away from what we find doesn't work along the way. We should just take that, embrace it, fix it, and kind of focus um, on you know doing things differently going forward. So I'm a big believer in that. And I think today, as I said, I think there's a little bit more um, willingness for people to, to kind of open up about that, but I still see a lot of hesitation. And I always put that down to there's a lack of trust. And it's so yeah. important in your culture to be yeah. able to create that level of trust. Yeah. Um, and particularly when you're talking about with customers, um, Certainly with mine, that's just sort of, you know, a critical piece of right. how we make things successful. It's building that trust so that we can have those conversations honestly. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, yeah. well, well put. And I, I totally agree. So as you're as, as you're in this transition, you're seeing, you know, the, 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 the technology world, you know, again, uh, as I remember it, it just started the pace of the changes started just, you know, exponentially moving quicker and quicker and quicker. And, you know, for somebody coming out of college today or a master's program today and jumping into the business world, technology has always been at the epicenter of the business world to that person. For us, going through those transitions, we watched the change and the apprehension turn into mild acceptance and then major acceptance. And, you know, we saw this whole thing evolve, but I'm curious to know, and I I know I didn't kind of preface this question up front, but I'm curious to know during that time, did you notice that the expectations from the customers were beginning to change with technology advancement as well? Absolutely. Um, You know, look back, you know, in your mind to around 2006, certainly 2007, you know, smartphone came out. Wow. That was just an an enormous game changer. The cloud was actually becoming a thing at that time. I think around that stage, there were um, some SaaS products coming out. Obviously, at the time, we weren't calling it that. But those kinds of um, innovations we're really opening up a conversation that hadn't been there before. So, you know, and I'm sure you experienced this too, you know, IT was always the back room. You can't get in there, closed doors. No one knows what goes on behind those walls, right? It's sort of this put on this um, uh, pedestal of, well, they just, they do stuff back there. We don't understand it. We know what, we don't know what they do. They just need to go do that. And, and around that time period that I was just describing, that was flipping, that was flipping. Yeah. And um, and I'm so glad it did, right? I think it was such a great evolution and a necessary one um, where there was, again, this other perspective that you had to think about and listen to. 
And uh, I, you know, I think as technologists, we were all perhaps um, many of us anyway, were probably slower in accepting that. Um, I certainly felt strongly early on and um, did spend a lot of time coaching, you know, the team on how do we sort of kind of move into this new world. But um, absolutely, I think that time period was pivotal in in that kind of a change to to more the customer view. The customer, yeah, no, I I, I totally agree. I think, you know, and I just, and what I mean by that is you even look at today, just in the consumer world, I mean, if you're a shipping company and you don't send an email after an order is received with the order confirmation, the tracking number, and the estimated time of arrival, I mean, it's almost like you're in the dark ages. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. whereas, you know, 20 years ago, you know, you people don't realize that to, to, to find out where your package was with UPS, you'd have to call a number, 25, yeah. you know, you'd have to wait, you'd have to get somebody. They go, well, I think it's on a truck in between Scranton and Philadelphia, but I'm not sure, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you were just like, you know, shooting darts at a, a, a you know, dartboard in the dark, you know, you really didn't know that much. So, yeah, so that's where it's kind of, so I think the customers now, you know, and now we've we've been saturated with technology, so we're at this point where clearly we probably know most of this what the customer expectations are. Talk about expectations a little bit. I know it's an important fact feature of your component of your business. Elaborate on that if you could. Yeah, you know, I I think um, I'll say it this way. I think setting expectations and communicating clearly what those are um, is critical to success. And and the failures that I've seen and the the um, um, disjointed relationships between customer and vendor, for example, uh, it, it's always a miscommunication and a mis um, setting of the expectations. And it's really not that hard to do, but. Um, I, I think it's just everyone gets so focused on the tactical stuff that they're doing in the process that they're missing the fact that are we all clear and are we all aligned and have we communicated what we think the expectations are um, clearly and did we get an understanding from the customer that they agree to those same expectations? Um, I, I think it's it really just boils down to that. I am so glad you 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 have that affinity for setting expectations because. I think that the communication and the lack of communication today is so prevalent. It was the first chapter in my book. I mean, it's the first component of my eight, you know, it's the first drawer of my eight drawer tool chest is expectations. I just don't, whenever I've seen, you know, 50% of the time when I've seen failures in business and you reverse engineer the failure and look back, it's like, gosh, nobody realized what the expectations were or it wasn't clearly communicated, you know, it's fuzzy, you know, but, um, so, so I'm so glad you said that. So, uh, your, your next, 10 years in business. Now you're, you know, going from 20 to 30 years in business. You're really a, a, a very qualified professional. You, you know where your expertise is. How does your professional path change in that, in that, those 20 to 30 years in business? What, what happened then? It did change. Uh, and I would say the, the, the flip was extensive networking outside of the business that I worked for. Okay. It was, it was getting out behind my desk from behind my desk and going out into the industry and in, and networking with people which initially um you know was uncomfortable you know to walk into a room and you know introduce yourself to people you don't know and you know really break into an environment that is strange isn't always the easiest thing to do um but but it was it was important that I did it and and by doing the, that element by putting myself in situations where I was purposely meeting people. I was intentionally going out of my way to, to network. Um, a lot of opportunities came forward and that's when I spent um, a good amount of time on the road um, doing speaking engagements around some of the technologies that we were implementing. Cloud was really exploding at that time. Um, I did a lot of talking in, you know, out in, in the industry on that topic and, and how we had approached it um, and, and what we were doing with it. And, um, so, so for me, uh, I would say that that time period was critical because it was it was important for me to meet every you know meet people who had different perspectives, different types of companies, um, different approaches to technology implementation and to working with customers. And uh, you know, it was great learning for me, and I was able to take all of that and come back into my business 
with a much fresher view uh, and vision on, you know, where we might need to, you know, think about putting our energy or how we might, you know, want to change our processes or how we might want to communicate differently to our customers. So it was extremely important for for me personally uh, to grow. And I am, um, you know, absolutely a huge fan of you know, making the effort to, to do that today. Yeah. I think it's it's super important to, to do that, to get those different points of view. Sure. So was that involvement with the customers in that year 20 to 30, was that was that also augmented by a mentor of any type? Did you have a mentor or, or inspiration, somebody in the business world that, you know, on the side parallel to all this was saying, hey, you know, Jessica, you should do this, that, the other? <laughs> It's funny. I've never had a mentor. I've mentored people many times. Um, I never had a mentor, but there was one individual who absolutely inspired me. And it ties to the whole, you know, caring about the person in front of you, kind of caring about the customer. Um, the, um, I worked at the United States Golf Association and the, um, the president at the time uh, that um, sort of kind of fitting into what we were just discussing around 1996, 97, she came on as the first president of the United States Golf Association, Judy Bell. And I have to say her name because she's an, an amazing, you know, she was an amazing human, is an amazing human. Um, she, she was a extremely successful businesswoman. She was um, well-known in golf um, and very accomplished. And, you know, really, you would think of, this is a very important person. And as president, she came into our culture and really showed me how, you know, no matter how important you are, so how successful you are, how valuable it is to remember that everyone counts. Everyone counts. Everyone's important. And she was just the kind of personality that um, made sure to speak to everyone, talk to everyone, get to know people and really care about the organization from the human side of things. And um, that she taught me a lot. She really taught me a lot. And I'm I'm so grateful I had the opportunity to work for her. Yeah, well, that's really neat. Yeah. You know, I I had a similar not it was a CEO, but he's Hicks Lanier Jr. And he was uh, CEO of Oxford Industries, which I worked for for eight years. They're out of Atlanta. And, uh, you know, what we marveled at all the time is he knew everyone's mm-hmm. name in every office. We'd see him once every two years and he'd come, come in and hello, Angela. Hello, Pete. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Bob. He's, you know, and he, and we just, how does he do this? And he, you know, he made you understand that to him, you know, everyone was important, just what you said. And it was just so, and honestly, I don't know about you, but I, you know, when he shut, when the door shut behind him and he got, you know, went on to go to the airport, you know, you just wanted to work harder for that guy. Yeah. I mean, is that a fair statement? It's a completely fair statement. I, I would have jumped through any hoop for this, for this woman. She was just an amazing person. And, um, I, really believe at that time um, made huge difference, a, a huge difference in how the approach to technology was embraced in the organization. I mean, she yeah. was really supportive of me and my team and um, really what we were all trying to kind of do for, for the, for the company. So um, yeah, she, she really made a difference. That's really cool. So, so in that stretch of time, what would be the marquee above your, you know, what would be the office title, the, the professional title? What would be the marquee of the movie of Jessica Carroll in that 20 to 30 years in business now? Um, I, I think adaptability. Okay. I think being flexible and being able to change direction and be comfortable with it. I, I guess I, I think it's fair to say I'm not I'm not comfortable with change. I keep saying I'm comfortable with change. I'm not comfortable with it. I'm comfortable making myself comfortable with it. Right. And I think that's important today in particular. Um, it certainly was, um, you know, a kind of pivotal in my career because once I sort of left the USGA, I flipped my career as I mentioned earlier, you know, to customer success, mm-hmm. um, I actually think it all ties together, but being able to say, you know, yeah, I did this for 27 years, but now I can go do something else and, and succeed there too. And I can use all of those learnings and put that together in sort of a new um, kind of layer of who I am and who I am as a professional and what I can give to an organization. So I think adaptability is really, really important and it's important today in particular with you know all the digital transformation and the, the pressures on the market 
um, to, yeah. to stay agile and, and keep reinventing yourself. Super important to be adaptable. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I t- totally agree. And thank you. So that adaptability combined with something that you really gravitated to. And I think it becomes an important phrase in JCX strategies, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. But you start to really... Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you start to hone this love affair with customer engagement. And and that's really, you know, even though you had this president USGA that was influential, it, you know, the customers were influencing, the customers were, you're, they're in, you know, inspiring you to change and, and welcome change, correct? That is absolutely true. And I think, you know, we've talked about it already, but I think it's being able to, to kind of keep your ear to the ground and understand what the mood is and yeah. being... Uh, able to adapt to that as well. And, and that, that's, that's exactly what you're talking about there. I mean, I think it's, you know, at that point in time, just really um, kind of moving into a position where I'm working directly with customers. Um, that was, that was part of the transition for me and it was a wonderful transition. So as a consultant now, as somebody that does this, I mean, there's, um, you know, there was a time and place for boilerplate, um, um, business practices where you just, you know, okay, you're just going to assimilate Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer into this boilerplate that we've created. But, you know, the real value is driven back to the customer when the consultants can sit down and listen and craft and hone and compile something that's directly, you know, situated for that business, for those particulars. And and as you realize that each customer has a different set of expectations. Each customer has a different set of values. How important is that listening process and that individ, that corporate individuality, that cultural individuality, how important is that to your JCX strategies business? It's critical because um, really what we're saying here and what the what JCX strategies is all about is how can we create a great relationship between a vendor and a customer and make that a partnership. I mean, the, these are these are fluff words that people say all the time, but how do you actually make that into something that's um, tangible that you can actually go and, and create action from? Yeah. Um, and that's really what JCX Strategies is all about. It's you know how do you how do you create that kind of relationship um, in such a way that it's it's not just a one way kind of relationship. And the value behind having a partnership is that the customer gets great service and products, but you as the business keep your customers, grow your customers, have great customer satisfaction, great um, reputation in the industry. Who wouldn't want that? Right. And and I think um, what I was able to kind of learn and kind of incorporate into sort of my portfolio over the last, I want to say six years is you know, a framework for how you do that. So how do you go about creating this? What are the standard operating procedures? Like, let's really get down to what do you have to do to create that kind of environment? Um, how can you help an organization change their culture in such a way that they're they're really living and breathing the customer first mantra? How do you do that? You, know, you can't just tell people you got to go do that. No, you have to actually help them and drive them down a path that is, uh, helps them find, what does that mean? So as an employee, how do you want to communicate with your customers, right? What is the message? And, um, you know, what, what are the expectations and making sure that the internal organization is as clear on those expectations as the customer is uh, on those same expectations. So JCX strategies is really about um, the, the concept of creating the relationship that is beneficial to a two-way beneficial, you know, um, sort of marriage, if you will, but but making it actionable and um, setting the expectations. We talked about that already. Yeah. Enough that you can tra- you know measure them yeah. and report on them transparently. So how do you set the stage to do that? And um, you know, it's it's far more than performance metrics. It's really are we hitting those business success metrics that our customer cares about? Are we servicing them in such a way that they're winning? Because if they're winning, we're winning. And that's, that's really what JCX strategies is all about. So it's a top down buy-in too, isn't it? I mean, you have to get the C-suite to buy into it, don't you? I mean, 
You, you do. You do. Um, and in my experience, and I, you know, maybe it's because I um, sat on the practitioner side of the house for so long. Um, it's, you know, if you're going to walk into a customer and try to gain that trust with them and have those strategic conversations, you sure better know what you're talking about from their point of view. So yeah, we talked about this already, that understanding the perspective of the, the person in front of you is so important. Well, that's why, because you know, if you understand, you know, and, and have listened enough to what, say, that CIO is telling you is important to him from a business point of view, um, it puts you in a position then to kind of take your services or your prod products uh, and turn them into something that is actually something they want to buy and, yeah. and keep keep um, keep buying. So um, that that's really, really important yeah. to kind of hit it at that level. So I'm, I'm curious to know, and I appreciate all that, um, you know, uh, background and explanation, but I, I'm curious to know if you run into this at all. Um, so I, I don't know how else to explain it, or I, I haven't seen it labeled yet, but um, so we have customer-centric behavior and activity that flows to the customer. And then I, I for lack of a better term, I call it employee-centric. And what I'm seeing uh, more, more than I've seen in the past I'm seeing companies that that say, hey, people are our most important asset. Okay, I totally get that. But in line with that, we're going to change the way we do things to make life easier for our employees. What they fail to realize, in my opinion, mm -hmm. is the weight-bearing load of the actionable task has to be transferred to someone. So you're now making it easier on your employees and you're, you're transferring that weight-bearing load of the actionable tasks to the customer. And, they, and many companies don't realize they're doing that. And so you know, without the benefit of having that customer feedback to come back to these companies, I think I'm seeing a disconnect in my arena that I work in. And that's why I think it's so important to, in the, in the customer experience genre, to bring this to a, the awareness level of the C-level personnel, because um, if, if they're too slanted to employee-centric, uh, they're not getting the repeat referral customer business they thought they would. Are you seeing any of that? You know what I see? I see, I do see it. I think that um, companies tend to anecdotally think they know what the customer thinks. And even um, just surveys, although I think surveys are important and you need to do them, um, it doesn't really tell you the whole story. And that's why I believe having that relationship in some form or another is so important because you need to have a channel where you're getting the truth yeah. and you may not like what the truth is, but you need to have that channel and you've got to make sure I agree the C-suite you know, of, of your business has to hear what's really, um, you know, what, what's really thought of um, by your customers. It's important to do that. So I think, I think that's important. I agree. Empl the employee experience is so critical and lots and lots of companies are focused there. Um, I think I think it's 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 an equal um, sort of program that you need an employee experience program that um, is tied to the customer first sort yeah. of okay. concept okay. and and yes you want to make it as easy as possible for your employees to do their work but there's got to be a balance there and I think you know giving them an environment that is healthy for them to and, and enticing for them to want to continue um, I think tying in the customer first element to that and finding a way to make sure that they're yeah. intertwined in, in in how you look at um, your processes and how you look at your culture overall that's that's critical. And, um, I think you can't do one without the other. Well, yeah. Well, so well put. Wow. I'm so glad you said that. And anybody obviously, you know, interested in talking to you about your services. I mean, uh, you know, it, what you're saying loud and clear is yeah. Employee programs, employee experience, you know, employee centric experience programs, very, very important, but to tie it to the customer first and to make that a, you know, hand in glove fit. That's the rub that I think some of the, the, the companies out there are missing, especially when they get too large, too fractured, too, you know, um, yep. siloed out where, you know, you're really not, the marketing department really truly isn't understanding what production has, you know, facing them. And, 
production really needs to understand what sales is mm-hmm. hearing from the customers. And, you know, it's just, a, you know, to tie it. Yeah. So I, well, well said. So um, aside from the customer feedback and every, everything, you know, kind of um, inspiring you to, to learn how to be a better you know, company owner was there starting the company, you know, people out there listening are like, ah, you know what, gosh, I've been in business for a while. I should really start a company of my own. I mean, is there a point in time you can point to and say, I remember on that day when this customer said something to me, the, the light bulb went off that I need to start my own company. I mean, was there an instance like that one epiphany moment that sticks out in your mind? I don't know if there was one epiphany moment, but there's a couple of things. Um, I think that uh, kind of being out in the industry and speaking and writing as much as I have been uh, fortunate for me to do, um, and the feedback that I get from that sort of uh, led me to the to the understanding that okay, I'm talking about something that somebody somebody out there cares about and seems like it's helpful to them. Um, So so if I'm able to put something out there that's helpful to someone else, you know maybe that's a value. I think, you know, as I did the customer success work and um, created the program all around that, the reactions that I got from our CIO customers was was pretty, pretty wonderful. Um, I had great relationships with them and these these individuals were awesome people. Um, And they really, you know, kind of that way our working relationship transpired um, made it clear to me that there was a gap in the industry related to how do you approach um, creating the type of relationship that creates trust, creates the partnership that I've already described. How, you know, it just seemed to me that there was a gap there. And I was getting such a positive response um, from my CIO partners in the way that we were you know, delivering our program to them, our customer success program to them, I felt like, you know, I really think there's something here that um, might actually help some, uh, you know, companies and leaders and looking to, to kind of put themselves in a position where they can retain their customers and grow their customers and, you know, put, put themselves in a position where their, their reputation is awesome in the industry. I, I really feel like there's, there's a niche there, um, for, particularly for B2B companies. Uh, and I think like managed services are a okay. great example, right? So I, I think all of that okay. sort of put together led me to believe, you know what, I think I should kind of go out with my stuff and see if I can be helpful. Okay. Okay. So there was one sentence in there that really caught my attention. Okay. How to create an approach. To elaborate on that a little bit, because I think that's essential uh, because I don't I think I don't know if I'm right here, but I, I think a lot of um, mystery surrounds the starting point. How do I do this? Sounds great. But I mean, so you're you're, you're helping the companies create an approach to build this. Yeah, I mean, you know, some companies are going to have a customer success uh, organization. You know, your SaaS companies today, it's very common um, to have a customer success organization. What I'm talking about is a slightly different um, take on that. So not for software as a service, but, um, you know, kind of putting in a framework and an approach uh, for companies that are not SaaS, where you might have a a bit more intimate relationship with your your customer. So, you know, a managed service company selling into, you know, a manufacturing company, it's that kind of of a relationship. Okay. okay. So, but to do that, um, it, it needs structure. It okay. needs structure. And so what I'm really talking about here is a program that I developed that has, you know, that delivers that structure. Okay. So it's a framework that, you know, it's pretty easy to follow. Okay. Um, and then it's, you know, operating procedures that kind of bleed into supporting that framework and a measurement program that helps you determine you know, where you stand on success or not success with the program. And to, to, to package that all together in such a way that either I can teach you how to do it, or perhaps you want to bring me on to kind of help you coach your team to do it. Um, I just felt that there was, there was a, a, an opening right there that I could be helpful. And I think, and I think I'm reading, uh, cause you've mentioned it a couple of times, standard operating procedures yeah. are a, a, a component to all of this structure. I mean, and again, I think a lot of people, I forgive me if I'm incorrect here, but you know, I love your take on it. I think a lot of people kind of poo poo, you know, standard operating procedures. Ah, that's a term of old, that's an acronym for old days. You know, no, <laughs> it, it saves your butt in a lot of ways. Right. 
It, it's foundational because, look, e- even if you're not following it exactly, it gives you targets of the kind of activities that you should think you think about doing and do um, in order to make this program successful. Yeah. And, you know, you can't just you just can't just wing this. Yeah. You know, then then it's just a bunch of fluff, honestly, in my opinion. I think it has to have that kind of um, clarity around it. So, so not only, you know, what is it that we're trying to do and what is the purpose, but, but what are the action items that we're going to do to get to each of the elements of the program to deliver the purpose? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, procedures is another one of my tool chest drawers. So expectations and procedures, I got two of them covered there, but I, I feel so married to, you know, and I've always advocated to, to standardizing those because, you know, they really, they really help to curb, they really help take the individuality and personality out of the the sequential order of things that need to be done. Then you can always inject that person's personality and, you know, just, you know, I guess a personal attitude towards that. But man, don't take away from the procedures because the procedures are what guard you against failure or guard you against missing uh, meeting customer expectations and so many yeah. other things. So it's just uh, yeah. so cool. So um, speaking of books, um, I, I know you've, uh, got a, you've got an exciting, I don't know if you're ready to make the announcement, but what, what exactly <laughs> are you and a book got to do with each other? Well, I, um, a, a book is coming out called the digital transformation demystified, and it is a book that is being put out um, by the Institute uh, for digital transformation, um, which is an organization uh, of which I am a fellow. So there are a number of f- fellows where, um, you know, executives, IT execs um, from all around the globe. Um, and we we work, speak, um, write on the topic of digital transformation. And we're really kind of attached to this subject. So um, we have this book coming out and a number of us as fellows have each written a chapter. So I did write my chapter. It is coming out, I think, later this summer, early fall. Um, and the chapter should not to be a surprise, uh, is about client engagement and how you really put some structure around that and how you ex- execute against the concept, uh, which can often sound sort of fuzzy and fluffy. So that's what the chapter is about. So hopefully um, so, someone out there listening to this is excited and interested in what we're chatting about and um, wants to, if you, you know, wants to take a look at the chapter yeah. in the book and yeah. it may be helpful to them. I mean, if, and if they're, you know, so customer engagement, client engagement, customer success, customer experience, these are all common phrases with your yeah. line of work. And yep. certainly I'm a customer experience coach. So, you know, I live and breathe that have been for 30 years. So, uh, you know, when, when you're, if there's a, anybody from a C-level position, whether big, small, medium-sized company listening right now or viewing this, um, is there any one thing you could point to that say, listen, if you could just think about your business from this vantage point, this will help you realize if you if you really need to get more involved in customer engagement. Is there any one thing that would jump out at these C-level people to, to really make them realize that we're not as engaged with the customers as we thought we were? I, I, you know, well, we sort of talked about the whole survey thing and getting their perspective. And I think that's sort of important. I would flip it this way. Okay. I would kind of flip your question okay. a little bit. Okay. I think that, um, you know, if you're a business owner, you're a C-suite, you're thinking about this, you're hearing us. If you are interested in growing your business, keeping your customers and having a great, you know, brand rec- rep- reputation, you need to think about engagement. And it's employee engagement and it's customer engagement. It's both. And, you know, we've thrown a lot of terms out here and and I define it this way to me, um, to me, customer or client engagement are, is, is the entire program around how you create a relationship with your customer so that they want to stay your customer or be your customer. Right. And within that, you've got the, the customer experience. So, how the customer feels about you as a company every time they interact with you. You've got customer success being, in my view, it's a discipline that sort of sits under that engagement bubble. It's a discipline to execute against the purpose of engagement. Um, So I look at it that way. And I think that um, sort of to answer your question, I think that anyone you know, any business person that is excited about growth and keeping their customers really should consider, you know, 
a program such as this to help them get there. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, you know, and again, I, I tell customers, you know, I tell people all the time is, you know, what pick up the a small customer, you know, pick up the phone. You're a restaurant owner. <laughs> Stop by the table for Pete's sake on the way out the yeah. door. How was everything? I mean, come on. How hard is that? But we all miss it, right? I mean, we, we, we you know, just in this scurry of trying to get everything done, we kind of almost just uh, have nullified that as an important aspect of business. But my gosh, if you ask them, they will tell you, right? I mean, if you it, ask them, they will tell you. They really will. And um, yeah, we used to pay, we used to pay quite a, quite a fee for a, a customer feedback survey every year at Oxford Industries. And, you know, where, um, you know, our, our buyers were asked some very, very, um, you know, diligent questions that really exposed a lot of our shortcomings mm -hmm. and it really allowed us to improve quite a bit. We, we discovered a lot about ourselves going through that. And, you know, and, and again, you know, that's, I think it's healthy because at least, at least the C level personnel were able to hear it from an independent source rather than their, you know, their marketing team or sales team or whatever, you know. So it was very good. But I'll tell you what, we made a lot of corrections off that information. And so I think it's uh, super healthy. So um, just a couple more questions. Your hallmark. I mean, if someone's sitting here going, wow, hmm, JCX, maybe I should look them up. What's your hallmark? What is Jessica Carroll after being in business, your business career? What are you known for? I mean, what? who are you? What's your hallmark? I'm I would say customer at the core. And I say okay. this all the time. And I think anybody that's you know worked with me would, would agree. Um, really having the customer at the center of everything that I'm thinking about and doing is uh, is really, really the hallmark. Okay. And that obviously goes back from the beginning. Okay, great. So yeah. a couple of great. Thank you. A couple of the cornerstones of JCX. What are what did you really build JCX on? What are the cornerstones that hold your building up, if you will? Yeah, it's. um it's creating it's creating structure for a client engagement program. I mean, that's sort of the okay. big thing. Um, but it's but within that, it's it's creating the structure. It's understanding what's needed and what kind of profile you need for the behaviors of your employees to execute against that you know customer engagement program. Um, so it's, it's the, it's the full program. It's um, how do you create the employee profile? How do you create an overall culture within your organization um, to, to drive this in, in a way that's going to succeed? Um, and how do you measure all of that? So I would say those are the key elements. Okay. Oh, no. Awesome. And you've mentioned all of them before, but yeah. I'm glad you just were able to sum it up there. So beautiful. And then the various programs JCX Strategies has, you don't have I mean, do you have a catalog or a menu or is it something that's just, um, yeah, I, I mean, on my website, you, you know, you look under services, you'll see, you'll see some of them out there and then some of them are, you know, um, a workshop on okay. a client engagement program. What does that look like? It's training your team on how to, you know, what that is. What does that mean? How does that work? Um, it's things like um, sitting with your sales and marketing team to really do account strategy in a different way than has been done before by adding in the client engagement function in in the mix of how you create your strategy so it's doing things like that it's coaching the teams and coaching your your employees so we do a lot of coaching um and it's also um communications you know content um you know marketing strategy it's it although i'm not a marketer by trade it's how do you create that um, thought leadership in the industry that your customers are going to get value from, they're going to help drive them to have a conversation with you. And it could be your customer could be internal. Um, I've done some okay. work for organizations where a CIO wants you know help yeah. with communications within the organization and to the C-suite. So, you know, we kind of can look at it yeah. uh, a couple different ways. Huge. I mean, the bigger the companies get, the more fractured they get. I mean, Gosh, internal teams getting along, working together, compatibility, project enhancements. Oh my gosh, there's just there's a wealth of opportunity in in, in all that. So um, no, very very cool. So uh, JCX Strategies, what's your uh, what, what's your website? Anybody can go to if you don't mind. Yeah, no, thank you. It's www.jcxstrategies.com. So pretty easy. Pretty easy. Okay. And then is there any other, um, I noticed you have, uh, just out of curiosity, you've got a uh, cool logo. 
explain mm-hmm. uh, explain the origins of the logo, if you will. Well, this will tie back to me being a boss at seven. Um, so, so the logo is actually a lioness okay. with a crown, um, and it's sort of a. I, I'm going to say it's a joke because um, I, I'm often called the queen, and I think I think they they don't mean nice things by it when my employees have called me that. I don't know. Um, but I actually love it and I don't care. Good, bad, or indifferent. It's it's sort of that, you know, um, image. And uh, I, this is going to sound so silly, but I've always identified as a as a lion. Like, if you were to say, what's your spirit animal? I'm not really into that kind of stuff. But I would absolutely answer a lion because it's like king of the jungle. I'm, I'm ready to roll. Um, so it sort of fits. And, you know, I, I am poking fun at myself, honestly. Um, I really don't think I'm the queen or a lion um but it's just you know a little little bit of a joke on myself and uh, i i just like the way it looks (laughs) well i know listen i think it's cool i you know i did i was uh, an executive with one company and i i found out years later the guy slipped and he said yeah the general and i said what the general what do you mean the general oh shoot that's what we used to call you the general you know i'm like oh what you know but i mean you know that's the way it works sometimes when uh Uh, when you when you get there but um, well very cool is there any is there any question or anything about your business that I failed to ask you that you want to kind of highlight and talk about and I don't think so other than you know if you take a look at what I have on my website. Um, it's it's a flavor. Uh, I would I would say that JCX Strategies is fairly customizable. There's a lot of different ways that we can help an organization, whether it's internal communications and culture, or it's really setting up that you know structured program. Um, so I would say it, you know if any of this resonates and somebody wants to just have a conversation, uh, I, I'm happy to do that. So just just kind of reach out to me and, and let's chat because you know I may not be, you know be able to help you you know, long-term, but, um, I'm always happy to, okay. to chat, you know. Okay. And everything that you do, all this, uh, that you offer, it, am I right in assu- assuming that the common thread is digital technology through it all? Is that correct? It, it is, you know, just from the standpoint of, um, since I've lived my career in technology, it's really easy for me to have, uh, these conversations with, with companies that are technology, uh, related that said, what, you know, JCX Strategies does isn't specific to technology, you know, so a marketing uh, group might say, well, we really want to bring her in, or we've got this employee experience we're trying to do, and um, maybe they can, you know, she can kind of come in and help us with that. So I tend to lean towards technologists and the technology area, but I would say that the program overall works pretty well across industry. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, customers don't always, you know, the feedback you're going to get isn't always related to technology and and the structures to build a better cultural inside the company isn't always, you know, it's, it's more personal and it's more eye to eye contact and what you do with the people. So I, 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 you know, I'm, thank you for answering that and and clarifying that. Um, If you uh, just out of curiosity, the name of the book that you guys are, are you able to announce the name of the book that you've jointly written? Uh, It's a digital transformation demystified. And like I said, it should be up. A couple months. Now, is it going to be something that people can buy on Amazon or Barnes and Noble? I believe so. I believe so. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, uh, JCX, JCXstrategies.com. Is that correct? Yep. That's okay. right. And, uh, yeah. And then the, uh, the last question I, we love to ask is, uh, we love rock and roll. I don't know if you're a rock and roller, but, um, <laughs> you know, we just love to ask our guests to dip back. What's an important tune to you? What's something that it really resonates with you and has become part of your, um, you know, uh, just makeup in terms of rock and roll songs? Well, first of all, it has to be Lenny Kravitz because I think that not only is his music just awesome, um, I think he exemplifies, um, at least publicly, just um, a really caring person. Um, and I think his perspective on life um, just yeah. from, again, I don't know him obviously, but he certainly, um, puts out into, you know, the world, this kind of, um, caring and, you know, let's, let's just, let's yeah. just love each other. Let's just be kind to each other. Let's, let's just be positive. Um, so his, um, it, you know, there's a, um, a song of his that, you know, you turn this song on and it gets me pretty pumped up and it makes me feel good. Um, it's called live. And uh, it's from his album Five, which came out 
1998, I think. Um, but if you listen to that song, uh, it's, you know, it not only to me is a feel good song. I think the message is actually really important. And it's something that I do try to live by. Um, not always thinking of everything in a positive way. Um, but I think that's really what his purpose yeah. is. You know, let's, let's stay away from negativity. Let's really focus on yeah. the good stuff. No, I would agree. I, I would totally agree with you. Actually, Rick Diana, uh, when he picked one, he did two podcasts with us. He picked uh, Lenny yeah. Kravitz for one too. So that's, that's, that's funny. Now you just, you don't strike me as the kind of person that needs, um, you strike me as the kind of person that bounds out of bed, ready to tackle the day. Are you? I mean, you're, you're not, you look at it a glass half full from minute one, don't you? Uh, yes, usually, although I'm not sure my husband would agree that, you know, but, um, I, I really do. I mean, even, even when, look, things get you down, even when things do get me down, it's just sort of fighting through that. And like, you know, there's some good stuff we can do. Let's, let's just move on. Well, well, very cool. Well, you're so engaging and it's such a wonderful to chat with you. And I loved our pre-chat with you. I just, uh, I said, Rick, this is a great introduction and I'm so excited to be part of telling your story. Uh, guys, Lenny Kravitz, you'll see him in the upper right-hand corner. You see that little card up there, Matt will put up. You just click on that. That'll take you to a cool video by Lenny. Um, we always say, Jessica, here, and, I, and I'm sure you would agree, we say if you want to change the results of your business, look at the how you do business. It's the team of horses that are the experience of customers that are pulling the cart of the results behind. And I, and I think that's uh, that Jessica would say the same at JCX Strategy. So if you want more information on Jessica's programs, jcxstrategies.com. Thank you so much. We really appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of your summer. And folks, we will see you in 168 hours. Take care. Thanks so much, Jessica. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye.